Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. All right, let's go to the word of the Lord. If you want to stand, 2 Corinthians 13, 1. I don't know how long I'll be today. I don't intend to be long, but I have probably three or four sermons built up since I didn't preach last week in my head. So um, I want to preach about find the flow. How many know God's spirit has a flow to it? And if you get in that ebb and flow, there's beautiful things that happen. Amen? So I want to preach about that for a little while. And uh, I know I preach spirit-rich sermons. I'm always talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, But it's it's important that we understand that His Spirit guides us and helps us. So I sometimes use some of the same references. But this time I'm going to a very obscure reference. And I want to speak about it. This came up in one of our life groups. But it wasn't the reason why I'm preaching this sermon. I'm preaching this sermon because I really feel like the Lord gave this to me. And I feel like it's for somebody here. Okay? All right. We're good. Everybody's good? All right. Baby Cindy's good? Awesome. Second Corinthians 13.1. This is the third time. Everyone say the third time. I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Deuteronomy 19.15, we find these special words. It says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two or three, at the mouth of two witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, shall a matter be established. Everyone say established. Key word there is established. I want you to understand with me quickly from the word of God that the word is very emphatic when it talks about what happens when you establish a word. Amen? So I'm going to preach to you a little while about what God does in the way that he works, in the way that he shows his will, and the way that he He helps us walk. But I want you to know that if we let his word be established in this place, that he will establish his church, which is us. Amen? Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad you know that we are the church. It's not a building. It's us. He chose fleshly tabernacles. Amen? So when we look at the word established, we realize that it's talking about there needs to be two or three witnesses. And so in the Old Testament, right here where I'm preaching to you at, with Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians, he's referencing Deuteronomy 19.15, where it talks about where a man would in some ways be judged for something that he did. And if it was something that was a judgment that caused, it was found out that he had sinned or done something, and that sin under the law was unto death. In other words, it was a sin where he should be put to death. He could not be put to death if only one man saw it or if only one man was a witness. But there needed to be two witnesses or three witnesses that would establish the fact that he had sinned 
in a case or situation that was worthy unto death. How many know that there was sin in the Old Testament that caused them to be put to death or put out of the camp? So what you have to understand is the word two or three witnesses in Scripture was referring to a dispute over a sin that would come up and a man or a woman could not be killed if there was only one witness. Everyone say one witness. So that's why you need more than one witness. Amen? How many remember what Nate was preaching last week? There's two witnesses when the Holy Ghost fell. Amen? So yeah, it's good. There was a witness in them that they spoke in tongues, and there was a witness in the people that they heard them speak in their own language. It was good stuff, Nate. Thanks for preaching the word. I appreciate that. Give him a hand. Give him a good hand for preaching the word. Put together what God gave him, and God established it. So what we have to understand is those that are non-assuming and maybe even non-intentional can establish a word by creating a witness to something without even realizing they're establishing it, Betty. So you can literally hear a positive word and say, I agree. And the Bible says where two or three agree, he's in the midst of them. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. There's another verse here I want to reference for your understanding. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything. Everyone say anything. That they shall ask and it shall be done for them. For my Father which is in heaven. For who's doing the work? My Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus literally said, I like when two or three show up and worship me, I'll show up in that place. So God has connected himself to two or three witnesses. Everyone say amen. And not only has he connected himself, but he's connected his word. So I want to talk to you about what God does with his word. We have to learn that in order for us to do a work of God in any capacity, we have to come out with our hands up, submitted to his will. Amen? And when we submit to his will first, then he offers us the opportunity to work with him by submitting and offering ourselves to work for him to work through us with our hands out. And then when we find ourselves submitted in hands up and working with hands out, we realize that sometimes you can be working and you can get a little confused and not know which way to go. So then we can pray and we can ask God with our hands lowered, give us the way. Amen. And there are some people that have a lot of great pre- preaching nowadays and it's on YouTube and you can find it wherever you want to find it about we're coming out we're coming out but we need to preach a whole lot more of I surrender my will before I come out to do a work amen I surrender my will before I take another step and before I move my feet in a way that God has not ordained amen 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 So I'm grateful that I have two or three witnesses in my life and so many different things. But I'm also telling you this, that we have to be very careful not to establish two or three witnesses on a negative word. Because if the Bible says, I feel an anointing of the Holy Ghost here, that if the Bible says that a word can be established by the speaking of God's word and by us agreeing with it, two or three agree, that that word from God can be established in our life. And when God establishes something, it cannot be torn down. Somebody say amen. 
When God sets it up, it's not going to come down by man. So we understand the power of an established word. We understand that his flow of his spirit speaks. And when we get in the flow of the Holy Ghost, we find out that he's got a will for me. And he's got a work for me. And he's got a way for me. But I promise you this, if you're unassuming and if you're unintentional and if you're not careful. There can be a word sneak in from the enemy. And that word can be a negative word. This will never work. That's not going to happen. It'll never pan out for you. You are not included. And you can cancel yourself out by giving to that word a witness or a second person agreeing with a negative or a evil report. Amen? That's why Joshua said, whose report? Is it Joshua? Will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I think it was somebody else, but whatever. I'm talking about whenever the people went into Egypt. It's not in my notes. Whenever the 12 spies went into Egypt, they came back, and some of them gave an evil report, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they gave a good report, and I believe it was Joshua, but I'm not sure, gave that word to us. He said, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord, but it's not in my notes because I just feel like the Holy Ghost wanted me to say that. Amen? Amen. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm in. That's my ADD kicking in. I just jumped off notes. So the church must be established through his word. And the word is literally flowed to us by the Holy Ghost. So what I'm asking is, why don't we jump into the flow of the Holy Ghost? Why don't we get all the way in and just let God refresh us? Because the times of refreshing are the greatest when we surrender our will and our work and our way. So if we're preaching, come out. Come out with your hands up. Amen? If we're preaching, we need to know the work of the Lord. Let's work in submission and surrender to his will. And if we know that we are working for God and we're surrendered with his hand with our hands up then we know that he's going to provide the way amen doesn't matter what it looks like he'll provide the way it's good amen so let's put our hands up how many are submitted to his will how many want to work for put your hands out how many want to work for the Lord how many want put your hands toward the ground how many want your way to be his way in your life hallelujah his way his will always will establish his work His will will always establish his work, which provides the way. Hallelujah. Amen. So let me talk to you about establishing his will, establishing his work, and establishing his way in your life. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you get around. Because you are who you hang out with. And the reason why you are who you hang out with is because what they speak, if you agree with it, you establish that word in your life. That's why you want to be around godly Pentecost. Uh, yeah, you be you, you do what you want, but I like to be around people that know the truth. Amen. I, I get around people that are saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He is greater. Everything that he has for you is going to come to pass. I believe that God would not take you out to leave you. Amen. He didn't bring you out of your struggle to strand you. He didn't bring you out of your situation just to leave you as a vagabond and an orphan. He's a God who is a father to everybody. And he doesn't desert his children. Amen. Amen. So I believe God when I get around people and they tell me, you're going to do great things. You're going to have God provide. I don't have to think twice about it. I say, that's the word that I want to establish in my life. That's the word that I want for my heart to believe. Because there's places in my heart that I haven't even found yet that God needs to sift out of my life. And I tell you, if there's a closet or if there's a dark corner, I'm going to let the flow of the Holy Ghost 
Ghost into that place and let it begin to work on me and let it touch me and let it move on me to where I come out with my hands up and say, whatever you want. I don't have room for sin in my heart because he has all of my heart. I don't have room for anything else in my life because he has all of my life. Amen. I've surrendered everything to him. I've surrendered everything to him. Oh, David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David, a whole dispensation before he should have understand what praise meant, knew that if he praised God, and if he sought the spirit and the flow of God, he would literally jump out of the dispensation of the law into the dispensation of grace and find that Judah led the praise, that praise was a way to get to God. God's victory, and while he's worshiping, God's making a way for him. Hallelujah. God establishes, and when he sets it up, no man can tear it down. God's establishing the church in Brookfield. (laughs) He's doing it. He's doing it. Took us a while. We grew a little bit longer because I didn't want to manipulate anybody. I've been manipulated before. I don't like that. And uh, whenever I decided I wasn't going to manipulate people, some of the people that like to manipulate people decided to leave. (laughs) And I said, that's okay, you go ahead. But I want you to know that the people that come to this church are going to understand I'm coming out surrendered. I don't have to be manipulated into this. I want God in my life. I don't have to have you try to convince me that it's good to have him in my heart. I want God in my heart. I'm coming out with my hands up. Anybody else coming out with your hands up? Hallelujah. Second Peter 3 and 9 said he, he, well, the Lord, I missed the T. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. That's what happens when you cut and paste stuff. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's will that all come to repentance. Amen. So I surrender to the flow of God. I, I, I take my example from Jesus in the garden. It is the greatest example of someone literally surrendering all of their life to the plan of God, to the flow of God's spirit, to the eternal will of the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful for that example. And the old saying, it says, surrender my will and my way. Have you ever heard some of them old uh, hymns and, and gospel songs that, uh, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. It's talking about your will and to your way. But but I'm grateful that when I'm, what that means, it literally is that if the way I'm walking does not fit the flow of his will, then I want to surrender all of my ways to him as well. So I come out with my hands up. I want to serve him. But sometimes people are trying to serve and they haven't surrendered their whole way to God yet. They're, they're trying to walk the way they want to walk and go the way they want to go, but they're not really surrendered to working the way they want to work. And what you do when you do that, hear me carefully, what you do is when you, when you come out and you haven't fully surrendered to God first, but you try to start doing works in the church and you start trying to help, there's going to come a point where you're going to run out of energy because you're not surrendered to the flow of the Holy Ghost that gives you strength to do the work. And so when you burn out, what happens is you get upset and it becomes a duty for you to come. 
It's not a delight anymore like the Psalms talks about. It's not a delight. You're not happy when people say, let's go to the house of the Lord because you've got to go early and you've got to clean and you've got to put the toilet paper out and you've got to do stuff and get the donuts ready. and do. You know what? There's work that goes with a church. Amen? So in order for us to be happy about the work of the church, we have to be surrendered to the will of the church, which is that he wants everyone to repent of their sins, amen, and to be filled with God's presence because how can you continue to do have God do a work in your life and be happy about the work and the changes he's making when change is difficult, change is hard, change is not easy, but if you have God's spirit and you're surrendered to the flow of the the Holy Ghost, when you begin to work in the church or you begin to let God work on your life, you will not become discouraged because you're constantly figuring out that it is not just my will and it's not just the work I'm doing, but it's the way that is successful that I'm taking. His victory has already been established. He said, it's finished, Betty. It's finished. Can I tell you a story? I hope this helps you to stay engaged. I know I'm excited. I plan on staying excited, just so you know. I came back from Man, man Up, and I'm a little bit different creature. Um, about, it was the 15th of last month, not this month, but last month. I was sitting at my desk on a Friday afternoon at work, and <clears throat> my boss yells from the room, Joe, I need your hours. Joe. I need to pay you because <laughs> he pays me on the 15th and the 30th. And um, I said, all right, because I track my own hours with my phone. I got a little tracker. I'm like, all right, I'll email you my, my hours. And so I emailed him my hours from my phone. And so he comes in and he gives me a check on Friday. So we come Friday of the weekend. We set up. We have church. God's awesome. And Betty comes up to me after service. Sorry, Betty, I didn't mean to use you. And I didn't. I, I know you're okay with it. Betty comes up to me after service. Now, Betty has walked through some very difficult struggles in the last year. You guys all know her struggles. She posts them all on Facebook. (laughs) So we all know what she's going through. We're like, we know what we need to pray for for Betty. Just check her Facebook. (laughs) So, So what happens is Betty comes up to me after service, and Betty has, and I'm not building her up, if if Betty gets... Uh, out of control and gets super spiritual. I'm going to have to have a talk with Betty. But she knows she loves me and I love her and she's honored me as her pastor. And she has had an opening of revelation at times to her where God speaks to her. And she doesn't even know what it means. She just knows, this is going to happen. I don't know how, but this is going to happen. And she's literally like, sometimes I can see her. She's just like so full of the Holy Ghost. She got that because she walked through a valley, Carla, because she went through the, some of the most difficult times in her life going through cancer, and she prayed her way through it, and God's given her a special little anointing where God talks to her every once in a while. So Betty comes up to me. I'm a human being, right? Okay, so I have times where I'm, I'm, I like, I'm, I'm really full of faith, and I have times where I get blindsided, and I'm like, okay. That sounds good. That's that's a word I want to establish in my life. Okay, I'm good. But she came up to me, and she goes, Pastor, God's gonna do something for you this week. I don't. I, it's gonna be financial. It's gonna be a blessing in your life, and it's gonna come from your work. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I just got paid on Friday. How am I going to get a blessing from my work? She's, and so I'm like, all right, I believe it because I'd rather have that word established in my life than have a negative word of my own lack of faith at the moment. Like, I just got paid, Betty. God bless you. <laughs> Love you, sis. You're so excited and you're so passionate. Love that. <laughs> you know, one of those. I don't want to do that. I want to establish the word that Betty got. And even if she didn't get it, I want two or three to agree because if she didn't get a word like that, I want to reach up and pull a blessing down because who doesn't want a financial blessing? Hello. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with that word and establish it in my life. So I, I wasn't quite feeling the flow. I'll be honest with you. I was, she was feeling it. I wasn't. And I was like, okay, all right. I go back to work on Monday. I don't normally work on Mondays, Wilma. I, I usually am I'm off on Mondays. But there was a big shipment that needed to go out, and I needed to do some configuration stuff on it. And so I went in on Monday, and I went in early, and I'm working. And toward the end of the day, Monday, my boss yells from his office, Hey, Joe, I need to pay you. Give me your hours. <laughs> I was like, uh, Kevin, you paid me on Friday. He's like, well, 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 you're here today. Whatever today is, you just tell me and, and send it to me. So I you know, figured out on my phone what the day was, and I sent him Monday, just Monday. And he came back, and he dropped a check in front of me for $1,200. And I went, Kevin, Kevin you know, because I strive to be so honest. I always want to be honest. And if someone made a mistake, I need to bring it up to them. Amen? You'll get further being honest than you will trying to hide lies. I promise you that. And so I was like, I looked at him like, Kevin, no, that's, that's not my, that's wrong. And he goes, he goes, Joe, that's a blessing for you. Just wanted to bless you. I just felt to bless you. And Betty, I told Betty underneath, amen. I told Betty out here by the trailer and she's like, she's worried about some stuff. And she comes to me, talking to me about some stuff she's worried about. And I said, let me just tell you something God's doing and take, let's take all that worry out of the discussion and let's start talking about what God's doing. Let me tell you about what God did. And she just starts tearing up and she just starts crying. She's like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I'm like, you didn't know. You blew up my phone while we're eating lunch six times telling me God's going to bless me. I think you knew, but and she knew in here, but she needed to establish that word. And when I came back and I reported to her what God had done underneath that overhang out there, tears began began to well up. The Holy Ghost fell on us while we were standing there because it was a confirmation of a word established from the flow of the Holy Ghost. Oh my goodness. I promise you that God is after the hearts of men and women who want to serve Him and He'll come after us. I'd like to establish his will in my life. Amen? Amen. And I'd like to establish a new saying here at LifeSpring. I am surrendered. I am surrendering today my will, my work, and my way. Not just my will and my way, but my work. I'm surrendering everything to him. How many want to do that with me? Amen? Would you lift your hands and surrender your will right now in Jesus' name? God, I surrender my will to your will. Whatever you want to do, amen. Whatever you want to do in my life, I surrender it right now in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, would you put your hands forward? Lord, I surrender my work right now in the name of the Lord. Whatever you have me do, I will carry the gospel to friends. I will speak to those that seem like nobody cares about them. I will do your work, but I'm going to do it surrender to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, would you reach toward your feet? God, would you surrender our way to you? Would you surrender our walk to you? I see miracles happening. It shall come to pass in our pathway. You will put people in our way that need you in their life, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I celebrate you. Come on, let's celebrate. If you did that with me. My will surrendered. My work surrendered. My way surrendered. God flows through that. Amen? So my next thing is uh, that he establishes his work in us. The work of the cross for us is finished. And we don't always feel like the work is finished in us. But we have to know his work is finished. And his work, go ahead and tweet this, his work always works. Amen? He's al- always working. Excuse me, I took Hebrews 12.2, looking in unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand or at the power of the throne of God. Nobody performed an autopsy on Jesus' mangled body after he was taken down from the cross. But doctors who have studied the Bible's descriptions of his death say the pain would have been beyond excruciating. I believe in the work he did on the cross. Amen? Amen, somebody. I believe in the work he did on the cross. You come too late to tell me that people can't get healed if he's willing to have his back ripped as ribbons because he knows that we can be healed by his stripes. If Jesus was willing to go through that kind of pain, that his stripes will still heal anyone that believes. Amen? He went through beyond excruciating pain. In fact, the word excruciating means out of the cross. Crucifix, crucifixion is in the middle, E-X-C-U-R-C, crux. Excruciating comes out of the cross. Jesus literally defined the worst pain anyone could ever feel. So don't think he doesn't know your pain and suffering. Don't think he doesn't understand where you've been and what you've been through. He came to this earth, walked dirty streets so that he could be a man of like passions as we are. He could understand where the human element lives. And so I'm thankful he became us so he could save us. Amen. His suffering began at Gethsemane. He began to, to weep and he began to cry. When, when he obeyed the Spirit of God, he, he, he was willing to suffer and to take on our sin and be our substitute. The intense stress caused what physicians call hematridosis. It's a condition in which blood seeps out of the sweat glands and he literally sweat drops of blood because he was so overcome with the the weight of carrying our sin to the cross. After his arrest, Jesus was flogged so mercilessly that the skin was stripped off his back, exposing muscle and bone. I still believe in the work of the cross. Amen. I still believe he established 
a work that still is working. Amen. After being slapped, punched, crowned with thorns, and beaten with reeds, he was covered with a red robe and led to Golgotha, the place of the skull. There, Roman soldiers drove seven-inch nails into his wrists. You have to understand that if you put a nail in the hands, they would tear out the flesh because there's not enough to hold the weight of the upper body. But they... They buried the nail, even bodies exhumed that were crucified. They buried the nail right here, and it literally hit a very major nerve called the median nerve. And when they hit that nerve, it sent pain through his entire body. And he closed his hand, never to be able to open it again because they hit that nerve. And I believe that was the grip and the work of grace on his children. When they put that nail in the cross, he closed his hands and forever said, I've got you now. I've got my church. You can't get away. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. Jesus. Amen. I still believe in his work and I get excited about it when I preach it. At that point, doctors suggest that Jesus would have suffered dislocation of his shoulders, literally would have come out of socket. Cramps and spasms would have begun in his body and he did that work for you and he did it for me. Amen. Severe dehydration would have set in along with severe blood loss, fluid in his lungs and eventually lungs collapsing and heart failing, literally rupturing. But right before that, he pulled himself up one more time and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was establishing a work for us in Jesus' name. He was establishing a work. So how did Jesus handle this agony? Many scholars believe he meditated on Psalms 22. And throughout his ordeal, he would have already memorized, because of being a Jew, memorized that prophetic prayer and passage, which quoted, which is quoted more often in the New Testament. Sarah, if you'd get Psalms 22 and follow along as I preach, I will be through with this section in a minute. But you've got to be impressed with the establishment of his work because even the enemy didn't know it. Even the enemy couldn't stop it. Even the devil himself would not have crucified him had he known it was going to establish a work forever. Are you impressed? Are you overwhelmed by the work of Jesus Christ? I'm just trying to impress you with the weight of his work. It describes in detail the death of Messiah. David literally writing under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he pins things he should not know. Imagine Jesus muttering these words of Psalms as he gasps for breath. In Psalms 22 and 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt that way? Jesus felt that way. He felt the weight of sin, and he never felt that kind of separation before where he had to die as a man. The gospel records Jesus praying this from the cross. Any Jew who heard it would have known he was quoting David's prayer. Amen? Then in verse 6, he says, But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by people. Jesus said these words as he as a crowd of angry mockers insisted 
and insulted him. Matthew Henry points out that worms were used in the Bible times to dye red fabric. Jesus was stained red for us so that he could make our sin white as snow. He was literally quoting that verse, understanding that my bloodshed shall give me a white bride and his work shall be established forever. When the angel stands with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land and lifts a hand and says time shall be no more. The work of the cross will still be established. Amen somebody. Amen, amen, amen. When he said in verse 14, I am poured out like water. How many are grateful for refreshing of God's sacrifice in our life? And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Some victims of Roman crucifixion took as long as nine days to die on the cross. But Jesus' death came in a matter of hours because he died of a broken heart for the bride that he was buying and purchasing. He literally gave himself all for us. Why shouldn't we give all for him? Amen? Probably because he had been flogged so much as well, they, they point out cruelly before he was nailed to a rough wood wooden cross. In verse 15, he said, My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. Jesus would have known all of this. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Victims of crucifixion typically develop serious dehydration because of lack of blood and oxygen. I want you to know that this is his work for us. We would have had to be there. He chose the most gruesome death to give us the most glorious victory. They pierced his hands and his feet, verse 16 through 18. How would David know this? Thousands of years before crucifixion, the cross was ever even developed as a Roman torture. They pierced, because God anointed him. They pierced his hands and his feet. I count all my bones I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothes, they cast lots. David said this, nowhere in Old Testament In the Old Testament is the cross described so clearly. Jesus' tormentors stripped him of his clothes and he bore our shame. We know from the Gospels that the soldiers gambled for his tunic or his garment in John 19, 23, and 24. But David's psalm does more than just predict the pain Jesus would experience. It ends in victory. It ends in victory, amen? Jesus put his hands up in the garden and said, I surrender. So he could do the work, so he could walk to the cross for us. And when we surrender, God gives us a work so we can walk and carry our cross, so people can see us and say, I believe there's a work being done in your life. I don't understand it, but I want God to work for me the way he's working for you. Amen? Hello, somebody. That's good preaching right there. Don't worry about my voice. Just worry about what I'm trying to communicate to you. In verse 28, he said, All the ends of the the world will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. 
for the kingdom of the Lord, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over nations. Jesus died so that all nations might know his forgiveness and salvation. As he poured out his blood on the cross, he was thinking of China, he was thinking of India, he was thinking of Portugal, he was thinking of Uganda, Bolivia, he was thinking of Cuba, Russia, Iceland, Iran, Iran. He was thinking of, yes, the United States. He was thinking of every race, every ethnic group, every color. Because God's more interested in sin being covered than skin color. Mm. They will come and they will declare his righteousness, verse 31, to a people who will be born, what? Who will be born that he has performed it. I'm so grateful I'm born again. That's all I got to say. I'm so grateful for the cross. Would you lift a hand and just thank him for the established work of the cross? Great victory. We have great victory. He performed it. He breathed his last, saying it is finished, John 19.30. And most likely he recited the entirety of Psalms 22 during the tedious process of death. I know in our sophisticated culture, people don't like to talk about the barbaric treatment of Jesus on the cross, and I just believe that we ought to still preach it real in 2015. Amen, somebody? Remember the words of that old hymn? In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see, for twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Lift your hands one more time and let's just love him. There's a sweet understanding of your word, Lord, in this place. We know that you spoke years before you came and established your work. You knew you were going to do it. God in flesh came and established it. We're thankful that your word establishes your work and your work established our way. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? And the last thing is his desire to establish our way. It's a quiet moment in here. Would you bow your heads? I feel the Holy Ghost here. God is just touching some hearts right now. Thank you for working with us, Jesus. Some of us come from many different backgrounds, many different places. It's a miracle how you flow us all together through your spirit, Jesus. It really is. You know, we may not hang out with each other every day because of our busy lives, but Lord, we all want to be drinking of that one spirit. We all want to be flowing together to reach for somebody. Take someone by the hand if you're near somebody and would you just ask God to put them in in his flow. Put them into an established word. I'm going to pray a prayer right now that breaks a chain. I speak against every negative and every demonic word that has been established by the lack of faith in a human heart 
unbeknownst to them or whether they did it because they were just feeling low. I break every curse and every chain. I speak it because you gave me authority to bind in heaven and bind on earth and loose in heaven and loose on earth. So through the Holy Ghost and the power of the name of Jesus, I de-establish every word that has been accidentally established in the name of Jesus Christ. I undo the works of the enemy. I undo the works of unassuming people who agreed with something that sounded good but was against the work and the will and the way of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over every lie breathed of the devil. We shall not believe his lies. We shall take and embrace the work of God in our life. We shall take and embrace the will of God in our life. We shall take and embrace the will of God in our life. In Jesus' name, I pray it. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, in Jesus' name. I believe every broken word, every lie of the enemy has been crushed in this room right now. Amen, amen, amen. And now I pray for everyone unable to be here. I send prayers from this tabernacle out. I send prayers from this house of God out to everybody that has believed a lie. Every prodigal right now who took on the belief that it wasn't worth going into church, that it wasn't worth staying at the house of God, it wasn't worth living for God. I come against every lie. Prodigals are coming home. Young people are turning their hearts to Jesus. Everything is going to come to pass that you have established for your church in Brookfield and for your church in us, for our family, and for those. This is a place and a blessing without borders. We're a blessing without borders right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we come in authority. We come in power. We come in might. We come in passion, believing you're doing this work in Jesus' name. And now we pray a word of faith for every next generation coming up. We pray for Rolando. We pray for everyone that's in this congregation, all the children of this congregation. We pray for them in the name of Jesus. I ask you to move into their life and establish your work. Set it up that no man can tear it down. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Pray for the next generation. You may need them. They may grow up and get an anointing that gets to speak back into your life if the Lord tarries. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we take dominion and power and authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we ask you to do the work. We ask you to do the work. You're already working. We just ask you to let us be participants through our prayers right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you for it. We love you for the work you're doing. We love you for the touch you have on our children. We love you for the mantles that are going to rest on them. We appreciate you ahead of time. We praise you ahead of time for the missionaries that come out of this church, of the children and the generations born of the people that are in this church. There are yet to come blessings. There are yet to come children that shall be used of God mightily. And I declare it and I proclaim it and I establish it. Is there two or three witnesses in this room that will establish it with me right now in the name